Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Quantum Nurse Freedom International live stream. And uh, today's episode, today's podcast, I really want you to keep your eyes and hearts open, keep your whole being open, okay? Because as Dr. Jer, who is our will be our special guest today, always say that truth is a stranger than fiction. So with me today are podcasters from around the world and let me start with Steve Fierro and he is um, right now in Asia originally from New York and next to next is we have Dr. Jane Markey from Canada and with the Empowered Health podcast and John Katsavos is also in Canada the fitness oracle and um, Hartmut Schumacher from Germany with Go Your Own Path. And the least, but not the, the last but not the least, yours truly, Grace Sagra, originally from the Philippines, but lives in Princeton, New Jersey right now. And so, as I was saying, our special guest is no other than my, um, right now I'm in, in his uh, study group and I respect him so much. And he is Dr. Jer Rivera Duheno. And and he's all the way somewhere in, in the West also, West Coast. And in the so, high mountains yeah. somewhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> so again, please um, be with us and whatever resonates to you, take it. And others, you may have to let it brew and let that lead you and take you to more transformation. Because nowadays with all the crazy things around us, it things can get so... Uh, confusing. And so let me introduce a little bit about Dr. Jared Rivera Duheno. He is an inventor and a philanthropist with a doctorate in natural medicine from, nat from the International Quantum University for Integrative Medicine in Honolulu, Hawaii. And Jerry specializes in advanced scalar and plasma energy technologies, the quantum morphogenetic field physics, and the larger paradigm of science known as 15-dimensional unified field physics. So, you know, these are a lot of, for me, they were very foreign. So I listened carefully and again and again of what Dr. Duhenyu has to say. He has lectured and presented his research findings at Fran Drescher's Health Summit, the Conference on Physics, Chemistry, and Biology of Water, the best answer for cancer conferences and autism one. And he, with his family, he also has a business here in New Jersey um, for the seniors like the Bridgeway Senior Care Center. And for the foundation as a philanthropist, he has the GC Rivera Foundation, a nonprofit medical surgical autism organization. And I do know that um, before the pandemic, she, his organization used to go to the Philippines for some philanthropic, uh, you know, doctors visit in the community using also the Russia, the scalar wave that he has invented. So thank you, Dr. Jair, and thank you so much for everything that you do. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you all that uh, are joining us from all parts of this planet. Thank you. And in addition to what I have read, uh, academic achievements of yours, presentations, research papers, and I know you have so many papers um, and references, how about you please tell us 
from your own story of what happened to you when you have your death experience, which you yourself said, it's not a near death, it's a death experience that led you to the transfer of consciousness. Please share that story. Yeah, so when people, when they say near death, it's really erroneous. When people really experience death, they've experienced death to a certain degree. So back in 2000, uh, September 10th of 2000, I uh, had a massive coronary heart attack due to a drug overdose uh, and I died. I had an outer body experience. I literally popped out of my body. And uh, it was interesting because I was hovering about maybe two to three feet at a 45 degree angle above my crown chakra, looking down at my, my lifeless body because it was just slumped over, turning uh, blue, bluish, right, from lack of oxygen. So the moment um, I wondered, well, well, if I'm there, <laughs> who am I? Because I had 360 degree awareness. I could see 360 degrees around me, but I was there was no physical body. The moment I asked that question, who am I? I was uploaded, uh, I would say, to the unified field, what people would call God, maybe, source whatever you want to label it. Yeah. And in, in that, uh, in that experience, I didn't see angels or I didn't see white light. I was uploaded to a field of information, so to speak. And in that field, you know, everything, everything is accessible. Everything is remembered and everything is known. So from that point, uh, yeah, I, uh, came back. That is really fascinating. And um, I do know that I resonate to what you're saying, just because I can feel that in the words that you say and your vibe, you know, it's common to say vibrations, right? So, and when I, and I am one person that if, if some, a message that's different, I can hear a perception that's different and it comes to me, all I want is let me listen because this must be, an eternal message or a divine message. So I just keep on learning like that. Now in this current time and in um, just because we said, okay, this topic will be raising your oscillation. So for the audience, I know that we can deep dive this conversation. We may deep dive, we may go fly high, we may go around as Dr. Dohenya will say, spin forward, spin clockwise, spin counterclockwise. So be with us. So how about you start? What does oscillation really means in the base 12 well it's not so, really base 12 it's in physics okay? okay oscillation is energy expansion or electrical vibration is energy contraction holding magnetic so most people even you know most people in the new age movement have that all twisted because they're saying you know you have high vibration and high vibration is good well not necessarily because if consciousness expands and the higher dimensions are less dense, that means those higher dimensions are higher oscillating. They're not higher in vibration. Higher in vibration means dense energy holding. So basically when you're telling someone that they have high vibrations, you're essentially telling them that they're dense and their consciousness is low. So people have to understand the difference between oscillation and vibration just on a, in a physics terms. 
Okay. Okay. And then lately, from even there's always a talk amongst uh, speakers talking about truth and freedom. And we always hear the words uh, that there's, or, or, or reminders that there's so many um, uh, false prophets. Okay. And there's, there's, we say, okay, we're fine, we're infinite, but then all we experience is finite. So can you please, again, maybe, I don't know if this is a good time now to kind of like lead us to what you've been teaching about in eternal consciousness, eternal life. And that would be before I pass it on to Steve, because I know our group has so many questions. So your so question, question is, is, you want me to you, divine? You, yes, please. So you want me to delineate the difference between infinite versus eternal? Yes, correct? please. Yes, okay. please. So most people, when they talk about infinite or immortality, it's a lot different when you talk about eternal or eternal energy or eternal life or perpetual energy, perpetual life. Infinite and immortality means that yes, the being or the star system or the or the galaxy will exists for a very very long time but in the end they have to feed off some energy source okay so when we talk about infinite or immortality we're talking about beings star systems planets you know galaxies that can exist for a long long time however they must still feed or accrete energy or frequency to exist when i talk about eternal or perpetual life or perpetual eternal life um, technology or information i'm talking about something that is connected to source that does not experience death and there's always that perpetual regeneration of energy there's never a constant feeding because we are literal energy vampires as well as physical biochemical vampires we need to eat to survive everything on this planet dies we need to eat and drink water to sustain our lives so essentially we we are finite life and there are systems that don't do this so that's the difference okay and and then what happens when um there are so many teachings again all over and and those those are teachings that also have been uh, maybe um, hundreds of years or maybe thousands that we use a lot of symbols we have a lot of symbols and many of us got trapped in those symbols such as like the yin yang you know the flower of life and i i want to um, speak about that right away because many many of my friends also talk about that so i i wonder please please share your thoughts on that Right. Well, it's let me just say this is not just from my downloads and my my death experience. OK, that I have come to know the difference between finite life symbology versus eternal life symbology. I have done my due diligence and I have done my research because I am a scientist at heart. So when I share something with you, I can back it up. So when you're talking about, say, the flower of life and the yin yang, most people don't know that they are intimately related to the Fibonacci sequence, okay? The Fibonacci spiral and or the Fibonacci expansion 
sequence. The Fibonacci expansion sequence is a finite life expansion sequence. If you look at it just based on energy and you see how the numbers are added together, if you just replace the numbers with energy, you will notice that the next number or quanta of energy is birth from the consumption of the previous two spheres of energy or numbers. So if you look at it very simply from an energetic point of view, it's a expansion cycle of annihilation and consumption. When you use multiplication, which is an exponentiation of energy or times two, then you get a self-regeneration perpetual expansion of num uh, numbers as well as energy. So it really boils down to the mathematics of it. Well, most people don't understand that there is a difference between, you know, say the Fibonacci versus say the source spiral sequence, which is a multiplication times two sequence and all of the symbologies, like for example, the flower of life is an eight sphere or an eight circle sphere uh, code when it's a delineation or derivation of a base 12. Base 12, the ancients understood that the 12 was the organic eternal life number. I didn't make that up. Do your due diligence and research. All the pre-ancient cultures use a form of a base 12 mathematics. Why? Because 12 was the eternal code. When you, when you delineate or you remove certain numbers, for example, 369. Tesla never said the key to the universe was 369. He said the key to the universe was 36912. Okay? Someone or some collective removed that number because 12 is the number that is intimately related to eternal perpetual energy or life. It was the code, you know, if you look at it from a tree of life aspect, you know, when the Kabbalah has the 10 tree sphere of life, They've removed those two spheres. When those two spheres, when you look at it, should have a two to one proportion and a two to one ratio, very, uh, very symmetrical, very balanced tree. But when you remove that 11 and 10, you have a base 10 or a 10 tree of artificial life. So a lot of the symbols, especially in the new age movement, have that connection. Thank you so much. I'll just show you a comment from the viewer right now in agreement for what you just said or in relation. He says, yes, yes, 12, carbon 12. Hey, Dr. Jarrett, it's great to be uh, talking to you. I just got familiar with you. I've blown away. I forwarded this email, uh, this uh, interview you had uh, with, I think, the Matrix guy uh, inside the Matrix. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great. And the one with Jay. Um, I'm just sort of like, you had said that after your experience, and how old were you when you had your experience? When you're, you're near death or your death experience, and then well, you were you're, reborn? You're, you're going to put me on, on blast now, right? Okay. Well, because so. I, you said you had a five-year-old kid, and I was yeah. trying to figure out, and so. you, were, you said that you were <laughs> doing okay. all sorts of like... It's okay. I was, let's see, I was born in 65, so uh, in 2000, I was 35, I believe, something like that. 65, okay. Yeah, I was born in 64. Right. So, um, so when you came back, you said, look, I want to know 
what I saw up there or what I learned up there or what I was downloaded up there. I want to see where this is taught on earth. Okay. So I always have a question with the, the mystery schools and gnosis. And I mean, if you look far enough, you're going to get, everything's going to get debunked. Like gnosis is dark or the mystery schools or this. And I don't even really even know what the mystery schools teach, but I'm not sure. Are you familiar with Rudolf Steiner at all? Of course. I studied okay. him very, very extensively when I was, studying gnosis actually i looked into gnosis esoteric gnosticism back in 2002 maybe oh mm -hmm. so the, my question is is base 12 or is the stuff of the mystery schools or the occulted gnosis or the whatever the psychopaths kind of know in a spiritual way but use it against humanity um is that part of what you learned is that what you could be is that what the whole world could know if it was shared to a degree i mean some aspect of what you experienced well look base 12 it has been on this planet for thousands and thousands of years the 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 problem or the issue is there's really no unless you study the pre-ancient sumerians and the pre-ancient mayans and the egyptians no one is taught base uh base 12 we're taught a base 10 system with, with pretty much everything except maybe the calendar you know uh things of that nature but um most of those mystery schools knew the secret to base 12 right but they used it in a way that was opposite free will expression meaning they used it for control they okay. used it they they hid the the knowledge, right? Otherwise, we would have learned base twelve, and and literally had a count on our on our on our digits, right? We weren't yeah. even taught that. But uh, what I found from my research and my, let's say, experiential um, travels with all of the, whether it's esoteric traditions like Jainism, um, I even went and looked deep into the esoteric Kabbalah because I just can't. Just because I experienced it in the, let's say, higher realms, right? I had to verify, oh, okay, let's see what's being taught here and let's see how it really expresses itself in humanity. And for the most part, every single tradition, dogma, religion, at the center core has the truth. And that truth is the law of love or, you know, that all-encompassing frequency. However, due to humans and their vie for power and manipulation, but it's not just the humans. It's the collectives or the consciousness that's controlling certain humans or Illuminati groups on the planet, right? It's not just mm. the humans. You have to look beyond the humans. The humans, are we're, we're, they're just puppet soldiers. So, I mean, these are sort of personal questions. I mean, is it, you know, was Rudolf Steiner and Madame Blavatsky, were they actually trying to get this occulted knowledge in the hands of the, you know, collective populace? Look, you know, Steiner and Blavatsky, they knew and they did their best to get this information out in the way they did. Okay. Cause I studied them extensively, the philosophical uh, society. However, they were they were against it at that time. They had a lot of pushback, especially Blavatsky, because she was a woman, far you know, especially a foreign woman, and not speaking you know English to the degree, uh, grading that was I think her second language, but 
you know, they were against it to, mm. let's say, reveal what they knew, right? So mm. if you study them and you do, you do, do your research and read some of their, their findings, it's very interesting. It gets, you know, um, I guess, um, well, I'll go to my next question. And thank you for answering that. Um, uh, so there is a guy named George Cavasilis. He's in Australia. And he said he had an experience where he sort of, you know, he, I guess, uh, he oscillated to his maximum point and he saw everything. And he said that anything in anything with hierarchy is basically bullcrap, you know? So he, he kind of said that the Akashic record is like a state library for the hierarchy of the astral. And I'm, I've always, I've always been wondering, is that true to a degree? Well, first of all, I don't know the man. Yeah, um, I'm sure his experience was 1000% his truth, right? And uh, who am I to say or challenge what he experienced? However, if he's just talking about the Akashic records and he's not talking about the Ikushic records because there's always a polarization, there's always a magnetic and electrical spin to things. We live in materialize or manifest creation. That means there's polarization. In order for creation to exist, polarization needed to happen. Otherwise, there would be a plateau or a, let's just say, a, a zero point, which you need electrical and magnetic to exist and to interplay and to coexist and have the synergy in order for particles to expand and create planets, et cetera, et cetera. So if he's just talking about the Akashic records and saying it's a state library, does he even know that the Akashic records are the records for the parallel universe? And in our universe, we have what's called the Ikushic, E-C, Ikushic records. And, the, and this is information that is eternal life information. So I'm not saying or challenging what he experienced is wrong or right. I'm just saying what he experienced lacks the understanding of the multidimensional framework of reality and existence. Gotcha. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I don't know. So right. I guess I'm so, I'm so jaded. I just think, you know, this whole idea of as above, so below, which I don't really fully even understand is I just feel like there's a, a control mechanism in the astral. If you're not, you know, I guess oscillated to a certain degree or you're, you know, you're really believe you're only human so that kind of blew me away. And it just sort of was very disturbing to know that, you know, after when you die, you could be manipulated. Well, um, yeah. So let me go back to what he said about there's no hierarchy to existence. Well, that's absolutely erroneous. Okay. There is a hierarchy because everything steps down in creation. Consciousness or source steps down into matter. So the fact that he would even say that tells me he doesn't really know too much. I think what he was saying was that you have to get above the hierarchy of the playing field to really be in the integrated field. That, but maybe, I don't know. No. But, um, right. but you're saying it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. I got, I, I, another question that came to me was, um, if you use the Rasha and the, and the base 12 and you, and you hemi-sync your brain hemispheres, which I think most of us are very left-brained <laughs> due to the programming. Uh, is, 
this is kind of, I mean, there's a lot of talk about shadow work and you got to do it and there's no way for you to expand or, you know, you got to go through the, the, the dark, the shadow or the dark night soul stuff. Can, can this sort of, you know, get you past that without having to maybe take ayahuasca and stuff like that? Okay. So I am not a big fan of ayahuasca because of what yeah, it does, because of what it does to your higher DNA strands. Okay. It literally compacts the lower strands by opening up all of the higher strands. And when you open up the higher strands or your higher chakras, that high oscillating frequency, your lower DNA strands, if they're not opened in a sequential order or they're pre prepared, right? They will compact. They cannot stand the, let's say, weight of that high oscillating frequency. And you will crush your, your you will do so much damage to your lower DNA strands that people never really come back to uh, reality sometimes when they do too many ayahuasca journeys. So let's just, let's move on from that. Um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Um, in terms of the Rasha, the Rasha is designed to communicate with your DNA. That's it. Okay. It does it through using the magnetic vector of the scalar field. Scalar energy is the primordial substance that the cosmos was created with. Okay. Nikola Tesla understood this. A lot of the scientists from the 1900s and earlier understood the ether, which was also um, mistranslated. It should have really ether and scalar energy are, are synonymous as well as morphogenetic fields. So when you can reprogram the morphogenetic field of your DNA or a cell, which everything has this form holding energy field around it, whether you're a grain of sand or a star system has a morphogenetic field. And this field holds the instructional blueprint of that matter. So when you can send information in the language of the, let's say, morphogenetic field, you can literally program. And I didn't make this up. Scientists a lot smarter than I have came up with this, all right? And they've proven that our DNA, prim primarily the intron DNA, the non-coding for protein genes, the 98%, right, that science erroneously calls junk, People like Professor Dr. Konstantin Meil from Germany proved a long, long time ago that the DNA, the intron DNA, sends and receives information via the magnetic vector of a scalar field. Okay? Look him up. So, uh, yeah, so that's what the Rasha does. It talks to your DNA. Now, the next question is, well, how do you know that the information that you're sending to the DNA <laughs> is good, right? Well, mm -hmm. I didn't make up the information. I studied the German research, the Russian research, and the, and the Germans, by the way, were the ones that taught uh, Dr. Royal Reif everything. He didn't, he didn't make up those frequencies. It was the German Bible of frequencies that they, they've done for many decades, re research on resonant frequencies and what they do to cells, okay? Mm -hmm. So let's say that we use those frequencies, but instead of sending it via a transverse wave or a radio wave, which most Rife machines do, okay? Original Rife 
beam sent it on a transverse wave, which is a, you know, a electromagnetic wave. What we did was we sent information through the magnetic vector of a scalar field. And how did we figure that out? Well, we took a look at Tesla's coil, Nikola Tesla's flat coil that he created in the late 1800s. And we said, okay, if Tesla were alive today, what would he create? So we expanded it, made it a, a three-dimensional coil. Then we looked at Marco Rodin's work, okay, with his 369 vortex math. We saw the limitations of that math and his coils, okay, because he based his coils on 369. What, what, what happened to the 12, Marco? You forgot that, didn't you? So all we did was we applied the base 12 ratio to our coils, and I'm sharing, I'm very transparent. I'll tell you how we, we do things at mm. our labs. You know, I share this information freely. And that's all we did. We applied base 12, a base 12 ratio uh, to our coils, to our, our design, to our frequencies. Now, people say, well, how did you create base 12 frequencies, Jerry? Well, I took a look at the right frequencies, right? I took a look at all the German frequencies and I said, okay, how can I adjust this to a base 12? So I created a base 12 algorithm so I took those frequencies, adjusted it, and now they're base 12, okay? Mm. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I have um, four rice machines here that I, are inexpensive. I, it's a company I really admire, but I, one, one of the ways you can transmit the frequencies to the person that is getting them is through quantum entanglement. Mm -hmm. uh, you take a piece of their DNA and you treat the DNA like yep. a fingernail. So I treat people all over the world. It may sound crazy, but I know it works. No, and, uh, absolutely. I don't think you're yeah. crazy. <laughs> and the scalar thing is what you, you know, you, there's that whole thing with, uh, you know, uh, it, there's some element to quantum entanglement, right? Uh, of the scalar of the whole, of the whole ether. And, you know, there's yeah. no, it, but everything has to be at the same harmonic. Is that right for, you know, quantum entanglement to happen? Well, look, Quantum entanglement is nothing more than scalar energy and it's how it works and how it functions, really. I mean, the military understands the negative effects and, and the, let's say, the manipulation effects of scalar weaponry, right? So they must know something. And quantum entanglement is pretty much the same. You can do harm. You can actually do harm with quantum entanglement if you don't know what you're doing. However, if you know what you're doing and all you're doing is you are sending frequencies helpful, let's say, you know, frequencies to help you relax, to uh, relieve stress, relaxation, less information, et cetera, et cetera. Those are, those are service to humanity deeds, wouldn't you say? So, mm. you know, when, I, when you talk about quantum entanglement, it really is, nothing more than scale our energy uh, and how it functions and operates. And yes, you could, you're going to have a client over in China or in the Philippines and you could take their picture, uh, let alone their piece of hair or, or, or fingernail, but a picture as, as crazy as it may sound holds the energetic encryption of that person. That's why the native Amer American Indians and the indigenous tribes, when the white man came with cameras, 
when they started taking pictures and they saw their picture on that, you know, you know, on that little piece of paper, those indigenous tribes knew that a piece of their energy encryption was trapped in that picture. Now, can you imagine what you can do with, with, with if you knew what you were doing, what you could do to someone with having their picture? <laughs> yeah, well, there's people, I I mean, I, there's people who can remote view just from a picture so they could get, you know, they could do, they could do a lot of harm. Yeah. So, I mean, I have so many questions. I will ask uh, one or two more, I guess, or just one. Um, the, because look, you, you know, you died and you came back and there basically it was a new you, uh, uh, maybe a, a more advanced version of your, of your soul or your, uh, your thing. But I mean, I guess, you know, one of the biggest questions on the planet is what happens when we die. So uh, if you, if you're like here and all you care about are the New York Mets and you're drinking beer and you're human and you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't like, are there level, is, is the death experience different for everyone based on your beliefs? That's a great question. Look, uh, unfortunately, we in the West are not taught to prepare for death, okay? And that's something that has to be, that has to shift because people in the East, understood and understand that death is nothing more than a transfer of consciousness experience okay we we birth in it's a transfer of consciousness and we we go through a transition process which is erroneously called death and that's just a simple transfer of consciousness experience now everyone will have a different experience based on two things the first thing is what they hold the information they hold in their DNA, what you bring, what you learn and what you activate or what you remember through unlocking the secrets in your intron DNA will determine what you experience when you leave these, this physical body. Okay. Okay? What if you don't, what if you don't unlock your intron DNA when you're here? Well, then your consciousness is phase locked into this realm meaning and you're okay so when i say phase locked it means your consciousness is bound to your physical cells that's why there's been this push for burial throughout the ages and you're, i'm probably going to get some pushback here but you want to make sure your body's cremated because cremation will make sure that your consciousness that is phase locked within the physical husk of your decaying body will be yep. released. That's the first you, thing. Okay, go on. Yep. The, se the second thing is your belief system will dictate also what you experience, okay? Because let's say, you know, I am a, I'm Islam, Islamic, and I believe that uh, when I die, I will have X amount of virgin virgin wise waiting 72 whatever right whatever number it is waiting for me and that's all i'm you know i'm praying to allah and everything and on my deathbed the last thought that i'm thinking is those virgin maids you will create that 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 your thoughts are scalar energy okay so mm. that encrypts into your morphogenetic fields and you will create that, okay? 
likewise, if you are Christian or Catholic and you want to make sure that you see St. Peter at that front gate of the gates of heaven, St. Peter's letting you in. Oh, you're in, Steve. And you and that's all you want to go uh, and experience. Make sure you make it through the gates of heaven. That is what you're experiencing. Now, it's very important. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. What I'm saying to you is this. Ask yourself why the, why the ancient cultures put so much emphasis on star systems and getting coordinates of star systems, like, you know, winter, summer, solstice, looking at the little holes and, and, and looking at where Sirius is, where the Pallades is. Start to research why they were looking at those star systems and coordinates, okay? Because they understood that we all came from the stars, okay? We weren't we weren't mass dogma into believe into thinking, oh, okay, we were created by some creator and you know we're gonna be judged, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The pre-ancients understood that we all descended from the stars to some degree. Every single you talk about the Hawaiians, you talk about the 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 uh, Dogon tribe, you talk about the Aborigines. I don't care what indigenous tribe, they all, including the, the Navajo, okay? They all understood that we came from the stars. So I invite all your listeners to do a little due diligence and ask, ask the question, why? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Just real quick, can you <laughs> tell me, um, I remember these Indian Native American Indians in Canada who were separated uh, by the elite and they were, um, long story short, they somehow got their rights back and there's some think their parents died or something or their children died. And the, the elite wanted their death certificate. And these, these Indians knew not to give the death certificate because they felt like it somehow was another contract to, to, you know, to feed off the, to, to you know, soul harvest. Is there any truth to that or? To solve harvesting, yes, but to what you're talking about, these death certificates, I don't know. Okay, that's yeah. that's fine. Well, listen, I could talk to you for hours. Uh, very fascinating. Uh, we'll look at the Rasha and uh, hope to see you again. So I'll pass you on to Jane. Good. Great questions. Thanks, Steve. Hartmut, are you pressed for time? Do you want to go next time? Just asking. No. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. I'm enjoying this incredibly. And um, yeah, where do I start? You know, sometimes on this planet when I've um, experienced great stress or depression, I have found that I will ask the right question. And it's always, how can I help? Why am I here? You know, and I, in the next day or so, I get filled with this energy of love. And I feel like I oscillate differently. And then the answers come. How, how, what is that connection in your, in your knowledge of our, of our um, energy bodies? Because you talk about the dark and the light energy bodies and the, the different fields. And then I also want to know how it connects to your, um, to your technology that you've developed. Okay, well, thank you for that question, Jane. What you're talking about in my, let's say, reality is, uh, I'm hearing an echo. Okay, all right. 
Okay, that's good. Um, is your, your connection to your higher aspects of you, okay? We all have uh, levels of conscious identity at higher dimensions or higher oscillating realms. So when you, when you share what you just shared about getting that knowing, you have that uh, direct connection to you at those higher levels, which uh, a lot of people should cultivate. So uh, that's amazing that you have that. Yeah. And um, what was the? Oh, the oscillation. Um, like it feels like a very high yes. um, heart energy that mm -hmm. happens and how that's connection connected to your technology if 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 there is a connection to heart that heart vibration okay so when we talk about vibration in the heart okay there has to be a, a direct connection and link to the brain or the mind right there has to be that head heart connection and the reason why i just say this is because when people only open up their heart they're opening it up to the fourth dimension okay because the heart is connected to the heart chakra the heart chakra is connected to the fourth dimensional astral fields now the fourth dimensional astral fields are a compromised set of fields meaning there's a lot of possession going on there infiltration etc etc what you are really more talking about is connection with the heart to source okay that that's a completely different um let's say delineation okay so i just want to make that 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 difference and with the rasha the rasha doesn't go directly to the heart the, the rasha talks to the morphogenetic fields to through the magnetic vector of the scalar field so you know the morphogenetic field the heart has a morphogenetic field so maybe that's what you are correlating the rasha talks to not just the heart it talks to every single atom and cell organ system of not just your body but your cosmic anatomy okay so the rasha is primarily a communication device that talks the language of consciousness the language of consciousness is scalar energy Beautiful. And I've heard you reference to dark energy or um, like okay, black hole energy, dark energy as a, as a connection as well. Right. Well, I don't say dark energy. I, yeah. Everyone talk, I say dark matter. But right. Dark matter. Sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. It's okay. Most people, you know, they talk about the light body. And yes, we have a light body anatomy, right? But what most people don't understand is the light and the physical, the light body, right? And our physical atomic body are birthed upon dark matter, okay? Dark matter comes first before light, sound, and the physical. So we also, if you, if you let's say, subscribe to the notion that we all step down, okay? It's not a step up process in creation. It's a step down from, let's say, source, okay? Dark matter is scalar energy. And we all have a dark matter or scalar energy body, which we weren't taught that. But the military understands that this physical body has a scalar body. 
That's why it's easily manipulated through scalar weaponry. So dark matter, when I talk about dark matter or your dark matter body, I'm talking about the body that has the ability to change any mutations and distortions or let's say self-heal. It has that ability once you connect to your dark matter body and you know how to work with it. Right, so it's it's powerful stuff, very healing. Yeah, it is, yes. And um, I, what Steve mentioned something and you mentioned it briefly about um, soul harvesting. It, and you know, we've heard about service to self, service to others, the, the great harvest. What do you, do you know anything about that? About soul harvesting? Yeah, yeah. I do, but it's not what everyone thinks. It's not what, what's being put out there in the new age movement. Yeah. Sure, sure, are there souls that are being, let's say, harvested for energy consumption? Yes, but when we talk about soul harvesting in our context and in and, and eternal life context, we're talking about beings and souls that had a particular energetic seal placed on their DNA, okay? To, to cap, let's say, um, from the fourth strand DNA and above in order to make sure that there wasn't a interbreeding or digression in, in genetic hybridization. And I'm talking about you know, 500,000 500, and more years ago. So soul harvesting has to do with those beings that held a specific energetic seal in their DNA that were gathered, okay, or harvested so that they wouldn't contaminate the original human population that was seeded on this planet. Two completely different, you know, definitions of soul harvesting versus the soul harvesting that is legitimate and going on if you don't activate your DNA enough so that when you do experience death, you have the choice. You have the free will choice to decide where you're going, okay? I hope I answered your question. Oh, right? no, it's, 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 it's just such beautiful information and where sh where should we ask where we go like i i have been aware of that that when you pass on you should look around and and determine where you want to go yeah fantastic question really really these are great questions you know grace you have a great panel here really um and i don't say that lightly <laughs> um okay you have to really know who you are and where you came from. That's the first thing. Most humans don't even have a clue who they were before they birthed into the mother's womb, right? So the first question would be, let me research different star systems and the races that are there or that you know have originated from there. For example, let me research the Pallades star system. Let me research Lyra. Let me research Sirius A and B. Let me research the Andromeda galaxy. If you start there, you will start to either have a resonancy with those star systems or not. And here's why I say this, because if you don't know where you're going, okay, if you don't have a plan, that's like saying, hey, Jane, um, 
I'm going to invite you over to, let's say, Tahiti. Okay, you maybe have never been there before, but here, come, come to Tahiti. But I'm not going to tell you where I am. I'm not going to even tell you an itinerary. You don't even book your flight, nor hotel. Explain to me how, on a 3D level, you are going to get to Tahiti. You won't get there. So likewise, why don't we prepare for the greatest journey that our consciousness will experience in this incarnation? And that's just, you know, figure out where you want to go. And that goes with research. Research. Hmm. Do I do I do I resonate with say the Kantarians from the Sirius B system? Do I resonate with the the um, Syrian blues? Right. These are things you must start to research because we all come from one of these, let's say, systems. Okay. It's very important to start looking to. I, I you know, when I do my meditations, I don't do it inside. I do it outside at night. So I start looking and I have a very strong affinity to the Andromeda galaxy. Why? One, it's the nearest galaxy to us. Two, the Milky Way actually came from the Andromeda galaxy. It actually split off. So, and this is all you can research. This is proven. And I connect to myself that is currently stationed on one of those planetary bodies. Right. And I felt very strongly that it's time to go home. <laughs> so prepare, prepare, prepare. Yeah, and yeah. it's not a fearful process, everyone. Make no mistake about it. The last thing you look at, if you're if you were to die now and your eyes were open, you would see me. <laughs> like it's like a Polaroid it goes and it stops. Motion stops and that Polaroid sets in. Okay. So when that Polaroid flashes and you, last thing you see is me, you'll pop out of your body and you're like, oh, okay, this is what true freedom is like. So start to know that death is not fearful. You, the reason why people get, uh, are in fear is why? Because the fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. We're not taught that we are consciousness. We are not taught that consciousness or energy is our innate nature that is what we were so yeah and i'm not saying suicide okay i'm not talking that that is completely different than preparing why don't you choose when you want to transition choose whether you want to go up to a, a beautiful lake and a, a beautiful european mountain and transition that way or go to a beach with a coconut tree on a, on a white sand beach and do it that way instead of succumbing to disease. Okay. Beautiful. I, I want to ask one more question about our DNA and how it has been changed. And um, I've read some about the Anunnaki and that they did um, mess with our DNA or dumb it down at one point. But do you have any more information on that? And then I'll pass it to John. Yes. So look, it's easy to blame the Anunnaki because they were the purveyors 250 to 500,000 years ago that started doing genetic experiments because they were they are brilliant geneticists, okay? Unfortunately, 
they also uh, were in the, let's say, business of creating slaves for their purposes of mining gold. But it's not the Anunnaki that originally messed with our DNA. We were a experiment from day one. The original human prototype was a genetic experiment of thousands of species to create that one super hominid genetic experiment just for, I, I don't know, science purposes, I, I really don't know. But way long before the Anunnaki, Jane, think about beings of immense consciousness and let's say advanced science that decided to tamper with DNA. So I'm talking millions of years ago, like let's say 550 million years ago, an experiment was conducted in, let's say a planet that we know or star that we know now as Alcyone in the Pallades system. And the first original human prototype was created there, right? 550 million years ago, but no one talks about that. Why? Because we weren't taught this. It was hidden. This was hidden from us. And if you research, right, the first human prototype, it wasn't us, right? And the, the, it all happened at the DNA level, okay? It happened to do, do with unplugging DNA, which now is our intron DNA, our, our junk DNA, what I call potential DNA. So it's not just the Anunnaki. You cannot just blame them. It was beings that are much more, let's say, bigger in stature in terms of collective consciousness that decided to create the first original human prototype known as the Turanissium. Okay? So that's what I can say about that. But it's, we, we can't, it's easy to blame the Anunnaki because, you know, <laughs> there's a well, lot yeah. recorded. Uh, yeah, and sometimes it's, that's only as far back as many get, right? So I, I just love the information you're sharing. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. Brilliant. Well, you. You, look into the Dropa Stones, okay? The Dropa Stones, just research them. How do you and, spell it, hon? D-R? D-R-O-P-A. Okay? okay. Now, I'm not saying the information you will find there will be at this level, but what I'm telling you is the Dropa Stones, or discs, whatever you want to call them, they hold a, a, a history, an extraterrestrial history that you'll find fascinating. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Before John, uh, before before John asked your question, I thought I kindly asked if I could interrupt him by just showing uh, the two questions from a viewer, and he said, "Ask." Uh, oh no, that be, just before that, he says, "5G thoughts," and please ask if this is a form of ego. Okay. So, Gary, please. Look, 5G is nothing. There is 6G, 7G, 8G, 9G, 10G, 11G right now. And this 5G is nothing more than weaponized scalar energy. It's, that's what it is. It's a form of electromag scalar electromagnetic weaponry, okay, that is utilized for not just communication purposes, but, you know, think about all the satellites that Elon Musk has put up over the planet. They're going to be beaming. He's gonna, they're going to be beaming 
scale our energy to for what purposes they say communication telecommunication but what what are they really doing right they're really doing it for other purposes i'm not going to say what it is you can i'll let your viewers and listeners come up with their own conclusion and ego in my context is nothing more than what we call epigenetic overlay it is the chemical sheath around the dna that dictates what genes to turn on or off so you could say it's a form of the epigenetic overlay but it is not the form of ego that is taught let's say in tibetan buddhism thank you john where did he oh. go uh oh <laughs> i'll pass it out you we lost oh, there he is. <laughs> there you go you <laughs> hey dr jerry how are you hey this is an amazing conversation. Um, I was curious to find out exactly what you did and everything that you're just saying right now is absolutely blowing me away. I have a hundred questions to ask you, but I know because of time I won't, I'll just try and punch it up into a couple of okay. questions for you. Ask away and it'll be organic. <laughs> um, I come from a Greek descent. So I grew up with stories of, you know, my ancestors and the 12 gods of Greece and myths and mythologies of, you know, of, uh, you know, semi, semi human monsters and this and that. And you, you actually came up with something, you actually said something about genetic cross contamination. And do you think that something like that? was kind of experimented with because it wasn't just the Greeks that came up with this. I mean, you, you, can, you can go back to ancient India with the gods. You can go back to ancient Egypt with their gods. Do you think that we did, it was experimented at one point? And do you think that we are currently looking at, re-looking at that? Yes, absolutely. And you can look no farther than the Epic of Gilgamesh. If you've read that, talks about the search for immortality and how the Anunnaki um, were the master geneticists most recently that had their hands, so to speak, or their thumbprint on the current Homo sapien II race, which we are. And the Greeks were massively influenced by the Anunnaki with their Greek gods, um, you know, and, the, and, the, and the, the Anunnaki knew about the base 12. That's why there were the 12 pantheons, the 12 Greek gods, right? So they knew, they knew. The, and the Sumerians um, were also influenced by the Anunnaki. Now, if we just take a bird's eye view of what, of just humanity and the planet now, whether it's humans plants animals look, look what humans are doing now we're doing cross species you know experiments we've done this for decades okay and if you look at the myths let's say the centaurs right and the monitors right the half bull half half horse now you could say easily say well they're myths jerry right but all myth has some truth into it and that truth has to do with the genetic experiments the Anunnaki's did, splicing human, and they were doing animal crossbreeding with humans for hundreds of thousands of years. And 
we're thought, oh God, what you know? How can how could they even think about doing that? Well, you have to also open up your 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 ex expand your awareness and say, are there other life forms out there that are half bird, half lion, half horse? There are other life forms. The humans aren't the number one uh, alpha uh, species. There are there are avian, uh, moth, praying mantis-like beings, reptile beings out there. To think that we are just the, there's only one breed of species, that's a little bit, um, you know, let's say low consciousness. And you're correct. There is and always has been a genetic hybridization, cross interbreeding of species for millennia going on for the longest time yeah yeah um i i i'm in total agreement with you um um especially when you start when you start talking about the 369 12 connection again you see it throughout all of every single tribe anywhere in the world i mean i have a picture right now of chichen itza on my desktop and it's mm. like nine levels and when i was learning when they were teaching me about the the mayan history they were talking about how powerful the 36912 is and you know greece had the same thing egypt had the same thing even ancient samaria like all these countries like all these different nations they all had this i guess you can say this connection with a with a with a 12 base 12 base math system mm -hmm. and where do you think that we missed this because it does seem that we have this giant disconnect yeah. from our well, ancestors to what we are right now. Well, we didn't miss it. There was a, let's just say there was a group that knew in order to control humanity, the easiest way to control uh, a collective is by not telling them the truth and twisting it and using disinformation. Oh, well, that kind of sounds like what's happening now, isn't it? Like what we're going through now. But 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 what what, what your listeners can all just remember is not it, it's not the end. It's not the end just because we we weren't taught base twelve and how dare these the, these groups you know not not keep this from us, right? It's about becoming self empowered. It's about you know doing your self educational process. It's about taking your power back really that's what it really boils down to and not drinking the kool-aid that we have to die you know and that's the end of our existence once we die you know uh again that's another thing that i wanted to uh, talk to you about um another thing that uh, uh we have as a culture is that when we die we never call it death we always wish them a good journey mm -hmm. into the next world and uh, again that's one thing that i think that we carried over to um from our ancient ancestors just the story has changed <laughs> of where we go <laughs> indeed so i really really like the whole fact that you're talking about is um um it's not the end it's just a journey to another existence now I don't like the word death myself and how you use death experience. Did you mean like the next life experience, the next transition? I think we, 
Yeah, I mean, I usually use the word Bardoa, but most people don't even know what that word means. So I had to use something that people understood. And that's, you know, the erroneous death word. But, you know, um, I, I just I just feel it's important for people to not get caught up with the fact that, um, hey, um, someday I'm going to die. Well, well, no, that's not true. You choose when you want to transition. You choose how you want to experience that amazing journey. And that's the whole thing. We're, from, from early on, we weren't taught to, to even talk about that word death, right? Oh, you can't talk about it. You talk about that in, in religious school and oh, no, 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 no. But many, many Eastern cultures and indigenous cultures, they, they see that as an amazing transformation, right? So I think, you know, most people should start to adopt that perspective and know that it's not the end. Let, let me share this with everyone. When you go to sleep at night, everyone goes to sleep at night. That is a mini death experience or mini conscious uh, consciousness transfer experience. So if you really want to know what, what this quote unquote death is, go to sleep at night, try to remain fully awake. As your physical body falls asleep, do your best to remain awake, meaning your consciousness remains awake. And at that point, as your body falls asleep, your consciousness will pop out of the physical body and you've experienced the transfer of consciousness experience. Yeah. That's awesome. One more question and I'll pass you on to Hartmut. Um, yeah. You said also uh, something about stepping down to matter. Mm -hmm. Is matter the final step? Final step of what? Um, the transference from the collective, I guess you want to call it, transference energy, your soul from path from, uh, I'm Christian, so I'm going to use heaven, mm. from heaven to here, like you said, like this, it's like a pyramid that it comes down kind of thing. Is matter the, the last step or is there another one or do we get plugged into the very top back to God or the connector or right. whatever, the universal experience? Well, physical matter is just but one, right? It's one form of consciousness, right? So when I say consciousness steps down, it because no one really talks about how physical matter is formed, how, how consciousness turns into matter. And consciousness steps down, meaning to, if you were to put the whole consciousness of the universe into your physical body, Guess what would happen? It's called spontaneous combustion. The physical cells cannot hold that great degree of high oscillating frequency. So physical matter is not the end. It's not the, that's the goal. No, physical matter is just but one form of consciousness experiencing itself. So the, the, the idea would be to reconnect to the all oneness you want to call it god you want to call it all that is that's the goal is to connect but in the physical body and that's what many traditions call self-realization self-enlightenment but you can you don't have to go to a tibet a cave in tibet and meditate for 30 years to do that you can do that now right 
Thank you so much. I'm, I got so many other questions, but I'll just I'll You're pass welcome. You, I'll pass you on to Hartman. Okay. Dr. G is really Dr. G is really mind blowing this conversation. I really I really appreciate it because I I work also in um, uh, biological resonance therapy as a salesman, and for this reason I, I know this a little bit of stuff. But also this uh, conversation with all my partners here, I really appreciate that. And I want to I want to start with this. Uh, I want to start with where the other pa uh, partners end um, concerning the concerning, for example, God. Yeah, the problem is. Um, the because of the Anunnaki and because of the history which is in our DNA stored because of the experience, the word God is let's say many times misused. And we have a matrix on the earth, and we have also an astro matrix. So the situation is let's say I don't, um, it's only a feeling, but let's say the astro matrix has only 20% of the universe, and we are it, we are working with this within these 20%. And the question I asked myself anytime, how can I get out of this astro matrix? And um, I, got, I got the idea to do it by definition, by saying, I pray to God, the creator of all universe and creator of all life within all universes. And the interesting thing is in that moment, I got a completely different kind of energy. And... Um, and if you talk about black matter, is this is this uh, the astro matrix or is this really the the call? Okay. So first, let's define what you're you are saying when you talk about you're talking about the astral, a s t r a l astral matrix, correct? Okay. Yes. So first, okay, and I didn't create this. I didn't make this up. Let's just presuppose that the astral matrix is a fourth dimensional matrix, right? We live in three-dimensional reality, thereby we live in the, the three-dimensional matrix. A German physicist by the name of Burkhardt Heim, okay, proposed a 12th dimensional theory, okay, and he backed it up. He, he actually backed it up with base 12 mathematics and base 12 theories. Now, if we were to just adopt Burkhardt Heim's theory of a 12th dimensional matrix, then the astral matrix is, is, is you know, we're, it's eight dimensions below, let's say, a 12th dimensional matrix. So the goal would be to at least get your consciousness back online with you at that 12th dimensional matrix okay hartmouth we all came down i'll say it again from let's just say the unified field of source consciousness all that is god whatever you want to label it but it's so big to get it into physical matter you, you, we need to leave parts of ourselves at those levels. So when I talk about dark matter and our dark matter body, our dark matter body is the, let's say, bones or the skeleton of everything, okay? So the goal would be to bypass the astral matrix because if we can get to that D12 matrix, which no one talks about, everyone's talking about 5D, 6D, 7D, 
just research. Scientists a lot smarter than us came up with these theories and they backed it up. So, okay, let's think, okay, well, what would, what would we be like at the 12th dimensional matrix? We would, wouldn't be carbon based. We would be a liquid light, liquid light based consciousness. Yeah. And these are something that I invite you to, to, to research, which Burkhart Heim talked about, and it's not just him. There are many, many other scientists that even today talk about their theory of 11 or 12 dimensions, right? So once we start to teach ourselves or we start to define, oh, what would a 12 dimensional matrix be like? That's when we can take our consciousness and reconnect with us at those levels, okay? So that's uh, that would be the major, major point I'm making uh, in all of this is don't get, if you think the fourth dimensional astral matrix is all there is, then you need to go beyond that. Okay. I understand very clearly. Thank yeah. you. This is, yeah, got it. Brilliant. <laughs> and, and now I want to come also to the technology, what you have experienced. And I mm -hmm. want to I want to give you some information about the technology I know, so that you can have, um, let's say, that you can, uh, so that, so that you can put your add your information to this. Maybe you know Mr. Gayaryev from Russia. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Then, okay. Yes. He has established the Institute for Linguistic Web Genetics, and um, yes. this is the effective liquid quantum information matrix where he can uh, use uh, a cord, a cord blood or um, uh, a cells blood or cells or uh, photos from the families and they can mm -hmm. increase this or they scan this information in laser mm -hmm. technology in wavelengths yes. and then they can produce uh, it uh, then they can by listening to it they can reactivate the genetics so that it knows its origin yes and um when we talk about your device mm -hmm. is it working on the same level but on the black matter matrix great point and i've i've researched gardajev very extensively and his experiments that he used the thing with gardajev is that he used transverse waves right we do not we we utilize scalar energy which transverse waves are not. We're talking about longitudinal waves, okay? So that's the main difference with our technology versus pretty much every technology that's in the public sector. The public sector doesn't necessarily know or understand true scalar energy, uh, like, you know, a lot of these, the military do but our technology utilizes primarily and accesses scalar plasma energy that's the that's the difference is we've combined scalar energy and and the excitation of plasma gases in a, in a vacuum tube to create um, some amazing effects and results 
when you're talking about plasma, are you talking about water plasma, for example? Because we only, in, in general, we know only the three levels of water, gas, liquid, and solid. But there are 12 levels of, for the water. Are you talking about that? Well, when I'm talking about the plasma gases, I'm talking about the, the, the inert noble gases plus few other gases that is in our confinement chamber in a plasma tube. That's what I mean by that. Um, but yes, there are 12, <laughs> there are 12 phases, not, not just four phases yeah. of water. There are actually 12 phases that have to do with eternal living water, not just the water that we have here, which is considered dead water, by the way. H2O is considered dead. Um, there is a living eternal water known as hydrolase that is that's for for all of human history man has been in search of the fountain of youth okay that eternal fountain of youth that they were not able to find that's because it doesn't exist here it doesn't exist on this planet and it cannot exist by force bonding it in a in a laboratory has to be done on the on the morphogenetic energy level. Interesting. Uh, and um, and uh, is uh, concerning your um, technology, which is uh, which is amazing. Uh, how does it work? Do okay. I have to listen to it? Do I have to do I have to wear it? Uh, can you explain a little bit more about that for our audience? Yeah. Grace, is there is there no way you can put up a picture of uh, the Russia? Is there a way to? You, there's no way to do that. Anyway, uh, I'll find it. Okay. Right. It it looks like actually Hartmut. It looks like a very fancy, advanced um, art piece. It really does. If anything, it looks like uh, you could put it on a coffee table, and you could uh, say it's a very fancy uh, avant-garde art piece. But if you go to therasha.com, www.therasha.com, you can see what it looks like. Now, it is a scalar energy technology that accesses the scalar field and it transmits information via that said scalar field into the cells of the human, the animal, the plant, whatever it is. So that's, uh, and the mechanism we use aside from the scalar field is sound. Sound is the second pathway that we use within that scalar field. So we're transmitting sound, right? And we're transmitting the information directly. Now, why sound? Because sound is infinitely more powerful than light when it comes to affecting the human cells, okay? Okay, and how long does it take, for example, a human being in general to get an effect? Because, for example, if you use uh, the technology of Gaiaev, and um, for example, after six months or six weeks, I think, uh, let's say, uh, ladies who were, um, who were 70 years old, 
had her 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 had her fertility back. Yeah, so so you could see that this was very effective. Yes. How effective is yours in comparison to Garia? Well, it all depends first on the individual because each mm -hmm. individual has different life experiences, different emotional core trauma imprints. Second mm -hmm. thing is the pathology. What pathology are we dealing with? Because each pathology has a different set of, let's say, length and in, in, in outcome. So it really depends on the individual and the pathology. But what I can say is consciousness, coherence, getting into the state of parasympathetic. The Rasha is able to do that within minutes. So think about that. Think about how quickly we can get into parasympathetic, which is the self-healing mode of the body. So then you can make your own deductions there. But it really all depends on the pathology, heart myth, and the and person. Brilliant. And um, let's say um, we talked about also about our ancestors and our technology and genetics and all that stuff and how they like to play with us. And um, today we live also in a very, let's say, interesting time. And um, uh, at, the, at the end, we are, yeah, how can I say this? Uh, the situation in, the, in which we are now is that the politicians, the police, the soldiers, they can be exchanged like that. And if they don't fulfill their targets, which is that we get all this, um, let's say, this injection, um, they have no rights anymore. And, and the target of this, let's say, transformation of civilization is that only by greed, by betray, and by obey to the government which will, shall rule the world, the people have the opportunity to survive. This is the task, what we are talking about. This is, let's say, the plans, what we are facing. And uh, let's, there is no empathy. Yeah? And um, you say, love is everything. And how shall, what is your advice for the people who are listening to us right now to to manage this situation because on the one hand we have a machine i talk also to politic politicians I, I see them as a machine because there is no empathy for the people we can see this on the street yeah and um, how they can understand or how can they how do you have an advice how to manage the situation at the moment for them yeah and a uh, great point hartmuth by bringing that up the only piece of advice and suggestion I can give the listeners is to go within, to start to go within, to seek not just answers, but to seek self-healing and self, uh, let's say, realization. And I say this because if you go inward, you're going to start to ask the questions that really matter like where am i going once i drop this physical body um where do i want to prepare these are things that you can do 
I know there's a lot going on right now on the planet that has to do with everything you talked about, and that's just a fraction of what is going to take place. What do you think humanity is going to do when mile-wide ships, albeit extraterrestrial or man-made, start to pop up and materialize over major cities? It's going to happen. It's just they're there now. If you have certain glass ref refraction technology, you could see they're, they're parked. But our eyes, the visual spectrum, cannot see that. Okay? So think about that. And think about what humanity is being processed for. So the goal would be, one, take back your empowerment in terms of choosing where you want and when you want to transition. That is the most freeing, absolute freeing thing a human being can experience is not being in fear of death. That's the first thing. And you can do that by simply going within, do something that relaxes you. I don't care what it is, whether it's you can play chess or you can meditate, you can go garden, but do something that tends to your own consciousness garden. Don't worry about what's going on on the planet because if each person can do that one at a time, then they can affect the greater population by just doing that. So that's, that's, what, I can, that's what I can say. I don't know if it made any sense, but... It makes a lot of sense because um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's this, it reduces the fear. It's also the reason for the fear concerning death, because we, our brain is um, switched off to 97%. Yeah. So we, can, so we only use here on this consciousness, on this planet, 3% of our consciousness. And this is the death experiment. Yeah. Well said. And um, no, it was a real pleasure, Dr. G, a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so well. much. I thank you all for uh, your time and your questioning. It's, it's amazing. What, what a group of individuals. Thank you. Steve? Oh, I, well, I, I think uh, I was going to say, okay, well, that was amazing. Um, my question was, I was busy getting the Rasha image. I, I was going to say, um, do you think it, on September 10th, 2000, when you had your uh, death experience mm -hmm. and you said, who am I? And you were sort of catapulted right to, you know, the unified field. Mm -hmm. And I guess there's so many other levels you can go when you cross over based on your beliefs and your knowledge. And if you, as you prepared, uh, I guess sort of two questions in one, if you never said, if you weren't had taken those drugs, mm -hmm. did, did those open up? Did those help open up your DNA so that maybe you got to the unified field? Or if you, when you cross over next time, do you, can you, once you go high up, can you come down and say, hey, all you people who didn't make it to the unified field, I'm going to come hang out with you. Like, you know, if I'm on the other side and I'm not up in the unified field, can you come hang out with me? Like, do we see each other? Does everyone see each other? Or there's different levels of death and some go here and some go there. And yeah. So, let me address the first part. Um, the drugs that I took were not mind-altering drugs. These drugs were, uh, let's say, 
intimately related to overdosing and heart attacks. Okay, uh, so they were, you know, mainly, you know, the recreational drugs, not the mind-altering drugs. Okay, I just took a deadly amount of them. So uh, when I talk about up being uploaded to the unified field or God, at that time I, I didn't I didn't have any preconceptions. I didn't have any set beliefs. You know, at that time I was an addict. I was a sexual abuse survivor. Didn't know how to handle that for most of my adult life. You know, as a child at nine, when you're sexually abused repeatedly, you you when you go through life, there there was no at that time there was no uh, there was no help centers right for. For people, and and you see it nowadays with the uh, what's going on with the, uh, you know, the religious, uh, whatever priests or or churches, you see the the level of sexual abuse that has oh. taken place over decades. So, right. So when we move to let's say, the upload, right? It's really about like consciousness will attract like consciousness like energy will attract like energy so if you are oscillating your consciousness is at a certain level of oscillation those that oscillate at that same frequency steve you're gonna see those that do not unfortunately will attract like energy wow yeah wow all right well it was, I could talk to you forever. I really appreciate your time. I'll let Grace close, and I can't thank you enough. Okay. Cool. What, what happened to Grace? Oh, Grace. <laughs> our host. Oh, Grace, Grace, go. <laughs> I think she made, I think she clicked something by accident and, and, and extra herself out. So um, here she comes. Oh, well, sorry. Well, thank you so much, everyone. And Dr. Jer, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And for all those, they, um, the viewers, they were having their own conversation, powerful conversation as well. And so, if Dr. Jair, can you please um, tell them about the Bioregenesis University and whatever upcoming programs you have, the schedule of your podcast, or, you know, because as you see, um, a lot of people are hungry for, uh, and hungry and ready, <laughs> and ready to really learn the real ones, okay, please. Yeah, sure, so, you know, uh, because everything is online these days, uh, for the most part anyway, who knows, um, hopefully it goes back to normal, but yeah, I decided to, well, I didn't, I decide, uh, it was a collective uh, decision to get these eternal life information, mathematics out to the world. So I started an online, self-educational eternal life principled university called bioregenesisuniversity.org it is a university that is founded by my ministry okay i don't play the i don't play the normal accreditation game if you want to do that you can go to harvard okay that's not game that's not the game we're playing here the game we're playing here is eternal life principles and informations that we weren't taught it is actually sharing techniques and information so that you can remember because most universities teach you what to think they don't teach you how to think believe me i know because i went to normal university right like most of you may or may not have 
But yeah, that's what Biogenesis University is about. And uh, I invite you, if you want to know more, great. If you don't, then that's okay too. Uh, yeah. And uh, yes, thank you, thank you, everyone. And I signed up. <laughs> I've been for many years. I really been in my heart. I've been wanting to take a PhD, but I could not. I didn't want to just take a PhD of something or just be connected to anyone. So as soon as I saw that, oh, voila, the answer to my quest came. So I so I told them that I said, okay, I'll, I won't be podcasting on Saturday because my school is going to start officially. Although it started the minute I said I am ready, it started. So right. thank you. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's it. And I, I thank all of your, I learned a lot from you as well, even though it was me mostly speaking, there's a lot of, uh, there was a lot of uh, trans transmissions going on from each one of you consciousness wise. And I thank you also for your questioning and your participation today. So thank you all. And thanks for having me, Grace. You're welcome. It was really, was really a pleasure, Dr. Dio. Thank okay. you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.